we love that. That brings joy to us. That back and forth. That just, you know, that's just what we like. So, you want to play that game? We can play that game. It's cool. You know, it's it's all it's all on in between the lines. Like we're we're competing for something huge. Like so, we're not. You know, it's never personal. I don't care who I'm talking to. It's just a person right here, and I'm just gonna say what I feel, and I'm gonna do what I feel too. And that's what they're gonna do. And we appreciate. Like you know, if you you bring it and we we on that, that's cool. But you know, what we look for that's what you saw happen. You saw ain't no running in the hill, man. We climb up the chimney. Yeah, for sure. We ain't ducking no fun, smoke, man. man. We're going to let everybody know we're here. We're going to play hard, trying to get a win. And if you don't like it, oh well. And you might as well bring it, so. You're going to cry what the baby's going to do. I'm done with all that bluffing on the court because them guys do a lot of bluffing, so, you know. I'm from the bluff city, man. We don't do no bluffing, man. Grizz Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the No Bluffing Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ingram. And normally I have people with me, but I think I done ran them off, y'all. I am co-host for this episode. No, I'm just playing. I have two co-hosts doing me today. Uh, y'all don't know, uh, the Grizz 91 Network, we're doing kind of a crossover ne- uh, network uh, type of week this week. Uh, I know they yeah, they did a rivals week and we're doing crossover. I got two people from uh the other shows. If you've been listening to work, you heard their voices a lot. Uh we got Nate and we got Ryan. So uh, I'm gonna introduce I'm gonna let them introduce first time on the podcast. <laughs> um I'm gonna start with you, Ryan. I'm gonna start with you. I think I've ever done a podcast with you like ever. So it's gonna be yeah, exciting. I feel like I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself to no bluffing uh, uh, supporters. Just a little bit about yourself, and under- yeah. So um, you can actually, for all your supporters, you can probably thank me because I'm the one who found Daniel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, me and Daniel <laughs> not grew up together, but we played you know rec leagues for decade. Um, and me and my buddy Cody, who's my normal co-host for free basketball, we were just general NBA. That's what we did. Just talked about everything in the NBA. And then Daniel was interested in joining podcasts. So I was like, well, why don't you just join us? And so he did that for a few years. And then he decided, you know what? I need to do this Grizzlies thing. And so that's basically where, you know, Grizz901 became um it came out of anyways and then he left us um and so we we're doing our own thing without him and then finally he was like bro why don't y'all just hop back over here let's <laughs> join back up and do it again and talk a little bit more grizzlies mixed with general nba stuff so that's what we've been doing for the past couple months which has been a lot of fun it's been interesting to try to weave in the grizzlies within kind of like a general nba landscape which is hard to do right. um without being too homerish, you know? Oh, yeah. um, but it's been more of kind of like a statistical look. Um, if you listen to us at all, you know, there's things I like to do like power rankings. Like I keep my own things like that. And I throw a lot of stats and stuff out to you. I'm more of kind of like the geek side of that. Like I, I enjoy analytics. So I like weaving that within kind of a Grizzlies in general NBA topic and where the Grizzlies sit at right now in the, in the NBA. So 
that's kind of what we do over there. My normal co-host is Cody. We've known each other since kindergarten. Um, and he is definitely the wild card between the two of us. You just never know what he's going to say. Um, and most of the time it does nothing to do with basketball. And so it's like basically a balancing act, trying to keep him focused and to get him to actually react to stuff. So it can get pretty interesting over there on our podcast, but um, it's been a lot of fun being more Grizzlies focused, mixing in within the NBA. So that's what we've been doing and it's been great so far. So we hope to keep it going. Yeah. Make sure y'all haven't checked out the free base. Like, like Ryan said, it's a different, but I love it. I love our network because every show you're going to print uh, and, and you know, it, it, even before we started ours over here, you know, one thing I talked about, Daniel talked to Daniel about, I was like, you know, this is no shot, but like pretty much every group sometimes can start to sound repetitive. They just giving the same takes, the same thing. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that, but and you know, over, over here, you friend perspectives from everybody. So, um, like have you on man for sure. And, uh, like I said, I think we're gonna have a good time. A lot of things from what I've heard you talk about on different, before we do have a we, we agree a little bit i just say that so um and <laughs> it, 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 it as well we know we'll agree on something probably will never agree on but it's okay this is my brother from another mother it's all right very so, true uh yeah. <laughs> with you and probably man it's been a couple months i feel like it, we will overdo for this anyway so uh for the people that that i know you have but if you haven't Nate, just tell them a little bit about you brother you went big time and abandoned me that's what you did. And I'm stuck with Daniel. We're low-key all trying to find ways to off him. But none, none of us are too yeah. successful because there's too much work left to be done if we succeed. Yes. Yeah, the reason, right, we get, right. the reason that we're a little bit different is because we say things we shouldn't on this network, which is a lot of fun. But, I mean, we, we, we can say things Absolutely. we might have to backtrack a little bit. Like, I, I invented a new disease, TWS. We can, if you don't know what that is, you're gonna have to dig a little bit deeper to find out what TWS is. But I've accused one player of having it, and then I was very nice about explaining it. Anyways, I work with uh, Daniel mostly, but Grizz901. I do a lot of article stuff that Chris has contributed with a lot. Ryan has not, at least since I've been here, but um, always welcome. We're always looking for more content, except for I do have to edit more if you do. So, you know, give me a heads up. Not but a writer, so you're good. I, uh, okay, perfect. I actually don't want to work any harder. But I would say I'm probably the Cody of the Grizz901 crew. Cody's a little more <laughs> deadpan than me. Like it, it, You have to think for a second, and you don't realize that he's making fun of you until it's too late. Yeah. I am more of the – I probably yell things that I shouldn't out loud, but I mean every word. And then I'm typically nice about it, but not always. But I do a lot of the Grizz901 stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun. I like when people like Ryan make analytics for me to back into my points that I make without much research or data. So I don't really do the analytics as much. I uh, I always tell with Daniel, he's a he is the coach mind, and I am just the ball watcher mind, which means I don't always know what's going on, but I think I know what's always going on. So it's go. uh it's fun, man. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've been able to do anything with Chris or Ryan. But this ought to be a lot of fun. We got three very different personalities here, so it'll be interesting to see which way this goes. <laughs> Most definitely, I wanted to hone in real quick before we, uh, Daniel. If you're listening, I just want you to know, Ryan basically said he made you. Yeah. So it's keep true. acting up. He's one. That's a that's a Jay Z line. If he said if he made one, he can make another one. So you. 
better stop backing up. <laughs> I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna skip the news. We're gonna skip everything. We're gonna get right because normally y'all know we record on Saturdays, which you know, a lot of times the Saturday games we end up missing, giving you critiques until the next week. Uh actually fortunate enough to watch um this Sunday game, which y'all are getting this podcast Monday morning. So um we got the Review just a little bit. We ain't going to stay on it too long because, like you said, we got topics we're going to get into. But just really, really quick, Nate, I'm going to start with you. From this last game, we just got against the Pacers, man. Just tell me what, what you liked, what you disliked. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to stay on it too long, but I do want to just kind of get your review, what you saw out there uh, from tonight. Man, they broke out of the funk. They just remembered who they were. Really, that was what it was, was in the third quarter. They remembered – who they are and how to win. And, you know, the Lakers game, they were just a little bit lazy, I thought. And then the Suns game, they were a little bit lazy, I thought. And then I thought it spiraled from there where they, like, forgot what had made them great and made them go on an 11-game win streak, which was really defensive intensity and just constantly. I mean, they were the, – the shots have not been falling for most of that win streak. I think people forget they were shooting, like, 20-something percent from three most nights on that, that road win streak. But they were locked in on defense, so they were just creating offense with their defense. And they got away from that during the five-game streak. And then in the third quarter, you saw the Z- when Zaire hit that corner three, I thought was a big energy. All right, we're locking in now. And they just started playing like themselves again. So that was point number one that I thought was huge, was a defensive intensity, especially on ball, man. They've got to be better on ball. Like I, We were talking before this, uh, Ryan and I were, that, with Adams and Jaron, the scheme of just funneling everything in can work because they're both great rim protectors. Ryan has a stat for it. I don't remember exactly what it was. I know they're two of the top seven or top ten rim protectors in the league is what he said. But with just Jaron, it's too much ground to cover for just one guy. It's just too much for him to handle, and you got to be able to do something when he's not in the game, which Adams can help with. So I thought that was a lot better tonight. Their intensity was back. But number two was – Jenkins, Riding, Ja, and Jaron <clears throat> the whole game. It's I just looked. Jaron had 19 shots tonight. Ja had 21 shots tonight. But most importantly, Jaron had 38 minutes tonight. Ja had 42 minutes tonight. In a game that, even though it's a regular season game against a pretty lowly Eastern Conference team, if we're being honest, they needed that to break out of the funk. That was their best chance to break out of the funk before they got into the end or into the beginning of February when they need to keep winning games and create some more separation after they drop a few. So right. him being willing to make those adjustments in games that matter is going to be massive. And I was encouraged to see him get away from rotations tonight. So uh, that's a little long-winded, but those are the two main things. I mean, those, those are big-time moves I think are going to really benefit the Grizzlies in the long run. Yeah, that was the big thing for me. Like, whether it's, it's – is TJ not deciding them a certain amount of time or, or Jerry getting into foul trouble? Obviously, that's usually the narrative that's out there, and it's warranted. You know, a lot of times it is the reason uh, he's not playing over 30 minutes, but that one of just plus other things. I was, I told you in the text, I'm like, I'm right there with you, bro. I was super happy to see him just go away from the norm for once. Like, let's try something. Different. If it don't work, it's okay, but the stuff that we try every single time that sometimes don't work, like. It's okay. <laughs> so yeah. it won't hurt, you know. So, uh, Ryan, let me get your perspective. I kind of went deep in detail as 
Grizz901. I tried to give Nate a head start because I know you just got done sure. almost an hour over there. But <laughs> real quick, what was your perspective on the game? What did you see? What did you like? What did you dislike? Yeah, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was Triple J and Ja playing the entire second half. Um, I, I, I think I said it on the live stream that I think it was just a game where both of those with what happened throughout Memphis, you know, the past weekend, um, I think it was just a game that they just told Taylor, we're not coming out like that kind of, it means a lot for us to make a statement. And I think they made a very good statement after that first half where it looked like another sleepwalk, right? Like they were sleepwalking through it. And then in the third quarter, it just flipped a switch. Now, I like Nate said, the Pacers, they are awful. Like, they're without Halliburton. Buddy Hill got locked up. Um, and it's just a bad team. But they did what they were supposed to do. And after giving up almost 70 in the first half, I think they only gave up like 30-something in the second. And it was nice to see that energy come back and then realize that, look, we're doing this for the city right now. We're not coming out and we're going to take over. Um, and so that was the thing that I really liked the most. And it stood out to me the most, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you know, we don't want them to close to 40 minutes a night every night if they don't have to. But <laughs> it, it's, it's time out for, for the for the you know, this game plan. Game plans, just like regular plans, they meant to be broken. Broken, bro. So you know, we're gonna actually talk about that here in a little bit. I, I, I'll say that for that topic. Uh, uh, I'll cut it out of here when we get to that point. Uh, but the first topic, I threw a tweet up this morning, morning, I guess you could say. Uh, it was the standards, and when I looked at the standards, it really hit me. Uh, kind of looking at these different teams, I'm like, okay, Denver's number one. We know we got Jokic, and we know what they got going on. And I just kind of went down the line on the standards, looking at what the record was looking like, kind of what, you know, the things, how they've been playing and things like that. And it, out of nowhere, I don't know why, but it just hit me. It's like, okay, the All-Star game is coming up next month. We basically right here, Fitness Day. So those reserves now here soon. We'll, we'll know something pretty, pretty soon. And it had me thinking, like, we know the, the guard situation as far as reserves, that can be a little shaky. We know John Moran to have one spot i don't care what it's going in the th- uh, okc i don't care they losing so yeah he can get it as long as jock get his spot and everybody else they can fend for themselves but when it comes to that front court reserve spot this had me thinking as a brain exercise and i want to present that to y'all as well um we know lori marketing shout out to three the harder way they they have coined the term uh lori um we know he getting a spot he deserve it he Honestly, if you ask me, I think the starting spot over Zion is only maybe 20 games. I mean, he's had a hell of a season. Um, probably going to be most improved. He don't get it. Um, so that's the spot that's got to be taken up. And then you can also argue for Sabonis out in Sacramento. But after them, I think they may get maybe, I don't know, maybe seven reserve spots. If the guards take up, I'm going to say three to four. I'm going to get a guards four because you're looking at, you know, be a, a hard thing to look at. But I'm going to say three. If you got Lori, you got some with playing at a the year, basically standard, right? With the Grizzlies being number two in the West 
and I sent y'all this topic before the game. I was expecting for him to almost hit 30 and, you know, just basically stamp that even more. On the Reddit thing that came out with the discredited all his blocks and stuff like that. I think this weekend was just a great solidify himself. Jaron Jackson Jr. is is an all-star in their reserve spot. And I'm talking about without injuries. Obviously, injuries help his case even more. But without anything, that's going to be a lock for him. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you first. I don't think he's a lock, but I think he's like Isaiah Thomas with the Dream Team. Um, He fits the criteria, but he just won't be selected. Um. And so, because the criteria to me is, like, you look at past defensive players, top defensive players who made it. Like, Rudy Gobert comes to mind, right? Like, Rudy Gobert, whatever you think about him, he made three all-star teams. And Jaron fits the criteria. You can go stat for stat, and they're basically the same, except for one aspect, and that's rebounding. Um in those years, Rudy Gobert was 16 and 12, like he was leading the league in rebounds. Same defensive efficiency numbers that Jaron Jackson's putting up, except he's averaging six. So if you swapped Steven Adams' rebounding totals to Jaron Jackson's, I think Jaron Jackson is a lock. Um, if he was averaging 16 points, 11, 11 half rebounds, I think Jaron is a shoe in. And it would be one of those things where it would be like, talking about snubs, right? Everybody be pissed up and off up in arms about it. But I just don't think he has the rebounding enough to where he'll get one if it's not some sort of injury reserve type of situation. That's that's remind that's me. That's fair. Nate, what what, what you how got? Are, how are the reserves chosen? Is that coaches? I believe yeah. it's coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jaron gets in. If it was media, I'd say he'd get in because of a lot of the stuff that happened this weekend. You saw that Reddit thread come out, and then you saw all these different media guys from all over the place hopping in and being like, this is ridiculous, he's awesome, right? And so I think that would be a chance. I think with coaches, I mean, there's still a chance, but you know, you've got AD, Sabonis, Markkinen, who will all get in. You've got Jai SGA who I say are both locks and that leaves, was it 13 that we decide or 12? I think it's 12, 12. And so that gives you two spots. I think Fox gets in one of those spots because the Kings are sort of the, the fun story, kind of what Memphis was a couple of years ago before everybody hated us um, or hated the team. And so getting two Kings in is like a nice thing. And Fox has been a big integral part of them. They're a jumpstart team. I mean, they were third in the conference, right? Is that right? I believe they're still I think third. They're third. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you got guys like clay who as much as I think the TWS speaks for itself, I don't like him. He's, I mean, after a really slow start to the year, he has been falling out. So I, I would, it's one of those years I would not be mad if clay got a spot. And it's a pretty wow. guard-centric league. But then you got Dame, you got Wiggins, you got Paul George, Edwards. I think of those, I think Fox gets it, maybe Wiggins gets it. I think Jaron will be in the conversation. I think he'll be some honorable mentions. Listen, I saw – I looked it up before to make sure I wasn't wrong about this because I thought, why do I think Wiggins is up there in voting? He's still up there in voting. Still up there in voting. And it's the Warriors. I just think there's a chance he gets it. Him or a Draymond. 
I just think it's some of those names are going to get above Jaron, even though they shouldn't. Like the Fox, Dame, those. Um, he's an outside chance. He's got an outside chance because of how awesome he's been on defense. And then you bring in performances like tonight. If he can string together a few more of performances like tonight leading up to it, I think he has a real chance of getting in. But we haven't seen him score like that very consistently, right? Enough, what we need, but not consistently. So I, I don't think he gets in. So hold on, I gotta I gotta clarify this. If the coaches are voting Andrew Wiggins over Jaren, like take I the think fans it'll be, out. Yeah, I think it'll be Fox and then maybe not Wiggins, maybe Booker Clay Dame. Hmm. I ain't gonna those three. Man, we can fan base, bro. If <laughs> I don't Clay, I'm not saying I like it, but I know how this goes. I feel you. I feel you 100% where you're coming from because it's politics and yeah, we get it. That they story, they want the storybook ending for the world. It's not time for them to get up off the pot. But, well, you know, according to us anyway, according to Memphis, we're going to have to, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave that alone for another day. But I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me. Before I go, let me go back to Brian. What is yeah. it going to take as far as players wise? Who do who do you think Jaron easily get that spot? I think he has to. I just don't think he's going to leap somebody like Sabonis. Um, and I okay. think AD is going to get it just because he's AD. Um, like Jokic is definite. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is not there, and he's been typically the you know, the one who typically gets it for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Zion getting that one doesn't make sense to me, but he's a starter. Um, it, it's really got to be, I think, marketing. I, and I don't, I, no I certainly think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is more valuable, better than marketing. Um, I just don't see where, I think that's going to be like the dividing line, right? Is I think it's a choice between marketing or triple J. And I think most people are going to choose marketing, even if it's wrong. Um, because it's just odd to have a top two seed in the West and just have one player go, but the nuggets aren't getting another player like the Kings Sabonis and Fox over the nuggets and Grizz. I mean, we're talking about the only team out of the top, out of the West anyways, that's getting two players is the Lakers. And it makes zero sense to me. Crazy. Um, I just think if it's coaches pick, I just don't see how coaches don't look at Triple J and see how he just blows everything else up on their attacks to the rim and compare it to marketing. And think, yeah, it's obviously got to be marketing. Um, I just think he's more valuable and does a lot more for a top two seed um, than a team that started out hot and is fading and now 500 and probably projects to be under 500 back in the lottery by the end of the year, right? Um, so I would under, I expect it to be marketing. I don't think that's right, but. I could see them choosing that just because of he's the number one option. He's the scoring guy and he's putting up numbers. 
whereas those numbers are empty to me, whereas Jaron's are substantial where he's actually contributing and takes a team who was a bottom 10 defense and as soon as he came back went to number one. Um, he's more valuable to what the Grizzlies do as a top two seed than someone who's getting empty stats for a team that's not going anywhere. Um, but it is the all-star game. You just never know what coaches are going to do. So <laughs> the, the truth, the truth is marketing probably does deserve to be an all-star this year, just like SGA deserves to be an all-star this year. The, the problem is they voted Zion in as an all-star starter. Zion should not be in there. It should be yes. LeBron, Jokic. In my mind, Sabonis, JJJ marketing, interchange him as you will AD, the last front court guy in. But unless Zion's hurt, they're not going to throw another front court guy in there, in my opinion. I just don't think that'll happen. I forgot Wiggins is front court, not guard. So scratch that name off the list. There's no chance. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be tough. Him. I guess it really depends on, like you said, if he even healthy for the All-Star game. Or if he just wanted to – it's one of them things where he say, all right, like I just came back, I'm a pass. Y'all just go ahead. I appreciate the honor. For me, um, Ja is locks as far as guards. They got to go in. Unless you're Greg Anthony. Okay. Get him. He Sorry, just, I had to throw that in. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We pair his son up every time we go down to Orlando, and he comes in. He just talks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you got to add them three in Booker, and then the fourth guard. I guess you would say, I man, it's a toss up. I guess, like you said, maybe Dame, maybe Fox. You really got to put PG in the company because I mean, he's not having an off year. It's just we don't really hear much about the Clippers at all low management, whatever they got going on over there. But, I mean, I guess it's working. They four-fifth in the West. But uh, – Ant. Or are they Don't six? Ant. Well, so with front court for me, per- oh, 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 you talking about Minnesota Ant? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I think he came on too late. There's a chance that he can make this push that he's making right now, but – Everyone's got such a bad taste in their mouth about Minnesota. Even though they just slid up to five, everyone still is like, man, Minnesota, ugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't feel like they should be out of a play-in conversation. It feels like they should be fighting for a play-in conversation despite where they're at. Yeah. You know what? I almost feel like he more deserving than Wiggins, though. If we're talking about like, the BN, who's more uh, contributing yeah. to the team's, <laughs> I think you got – if you're going to put awesome. somebody in, I think you got to put them in there. <laughs> But I think he's going to be the awesome. one that's going to get – you said what? <laughs> what you Ant think? is awesome, dude. I oh, yeah. love Ant. Besides yeah. Kyle Anderson, he is like the one good thing about that entire state. <laughs> I, I freaking love Anthony Edwards, man. Anthony destroyed us. <laughs> I, was in, I was in Minneapolis uh, recently. There's not, nothing to write home about. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Ty. Oh, Sorry, Roddy. They got the mall, bro, Ben, but, you know, they talk <laughs> – <laughs> but uh <laughs> I think when the front court for me I'm with y'all 100 percent Lord. I don't I, I can't say I don't care what seed he's in because if it gets to a point where they close to the Rockets, then maybe we gotta reconsider. But I think it's not enough time <laughs> out in the uh all-star game for that to happen. That's just be like a complete drop off. But I think he deserves to get in just because of the the the, the number no Sabonis you gotta throw him in. I was trying to think of like a small forward. Uh, that deserve 
to be in. And I couldn't get in the West. I guess you could say Wiggins is the only one. Maybe um, what's his name up there in Portland? Um, guy is Jeremy Grant. Is good. If you just want to be weird, but outside of them, like it's really hard for anybody in the front court, front court, like big men that you, for me personally, that you can put above Jaron. Like I just feel like I said, yeah. um, Ryan, that his case that he's making this year, it's really hard to put him in, uh, or put him behind. I mean, it, the defensive impact we get that the flow in tonight. I know we didn't go in too much detail, but if they can tap into that, we've been talking about John Jaron just for years, that match made in heaven, that one-two punch. Like, we saw what it could be a little bit tonight. Uh, and, of course, they don't have their whole team. So, imagine if they could really ride that and still have a Desmond Bain or Danny Green to be in those corners to hit those shots. Team could be really, really nasty in the playoffs. We don't have to go and talk about talk- I know that's a big thing right now, but if we did ride the wave, keep it as it is. I mean, tonight, what the greatest really could be in, uh, and they don't even have really three of the most important pieces shooting or two shooters, and Stephen Adams wasn't out there tonight. So, um, but to tie it back in, yeah, I, I just think, man, you, you gotta get Jaron in there, and like you said, it, I hope he get that injury spot at the very least. I yeah. don't think it's nothing wrong. It's, it's that you were still selected go out there with y'all y'all turn up have and um from about getting serious and you know getting ready for which leads us into our second topic um put out a tweet last week that kind of had the grist twitter and the front um people read context um don't <laughs> just um <laughs> don't just react when you see certain stuff like do you really think now the tweet that we will be talking bad about Coach Jenkins? Not us, man. It may be some other publications and podcasts, whatever. They may do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> just where his hand. You don't gonna just do that. Like that's not that's not who we are. Um, it was really to get engaged, but to see, you know, what they felt. Uh, a lot of people just decided to attack us saying he was bad no that's not the point. um and so i want to kind of bring this up because uh i heard ryan that you kind of think how i think in this uh me and daniel was talking about it and then we, we got a text three obviously we were talking about yeah. it a little bit um is coach jenkins is he a champion is he just a great coach that was a conversation that i kind of wanted to steer uh it wasn't about him being a bad coach a good coach no i think he's a great yeah. coach my argument, and this was before the win, you know, obviously last night, and one one game don't change my opinion. But um, it was you can be a great coach and not championship coach if you're not, you know, willing to make adjustments. Now tonight sure. was a long damn time I've seen him make a my hats off. I'm glad <laughs> to see that. But if you can't do that on a consistent basis, does that make you a championship coach? I don't know. So we wanted to get y'all don't want to, but I more so want to look at it from a, a staffing standpoint because. Hmm. Again, like standpoint of it is, I'm looking at is it possible? Is but is it possible that Taylor Jenkins like a Mark trajectory? Right, like we saw how he developed yeah. the best scoring backcourt. Like you got to put that 
that's on his hat. That's on his resume. I don't care what nobody said. You can't take that away from him. Um, but it was Steve Kerr came in and shook that team up. It was Steve Kerr that got yeah. Andre Iguodala to buy in and come off the bench and be that veteran presence that they needed. It was Steve Kerr that believed in Draymond and told David Lee a little bit. So on top of all the other you know, adjustments he's been able to make, you know, throughout the years, how you feel about him as a person, because I know me and Nate will agree a little bit. There's a little cringe a little bit. But the end of the champion as a player, and he's a four-time champion as a coach. That dude, he knows basketball. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, and playing the game, like, or just the game of basketball, it sometimes has to just come down to that. So we were talking about, like, yeah. the staff and stuff, like, to where at what point do we think he's going to maybe, I don't want to say upgrade the staff, like, his staff is bad. But we all, I think, at least me and you, Ryan, I'll let you go think that it's some things that he can tweak internally to help the coach be a championship staff. So um, whichever way you yeah. want to take that, whatever avenue you want to go on that, I want to kind of sit the table and just kind of say, okay, what does this staff need to do to become a championship staff? Yeah, so the things have kind of stuck out for me recently, especially it stuck out in the Warriors game, right, is – Obviously, you have assistant coaches are given certain games that they're to scout, right? Like Taylor Jenkins cannot scout 82 games. It's just not going to happen. Like it's given. They even do it in college. Like this, you are responsible for these five games, and that's all you work on. Um, and that's what ultimately what the assistant coaches are there for, right? Like most of them have a defensive assistant. Most of them have an offensive assistant. Um but it seems like on some of this stuff, especially late game, now we haven't been in a ton of late games, but a lot of this stuff looks like scouting to me. Um, not being able to read what certain teams do in certain situations, uh, like with the Warriors, with that pin down for Clay, like Steph gets kicked out. Like, what is this team going to look for? What's kind of a pet action that they like to go to? And for some reason, now Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks. He could go completely rogue on this, but... He goes under screens in huge moments against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. What is that? Like Brandon Clark on that last play with that pin down for Clay. There's no switch. He's hedging for some reason. There, like, there's no communication. And it even happened tonight against the Pacers. Like there's stuff where sometimes they're switching and then on different things they're not switching or getting through or communicating and they're just leaving things wide open. Um, so that could be an internal player issue, uh, but sometimes that comes down to just scouting. So I don't know if there's someone on the staff who is, they're doing their job, but are they, like, is it extensive? Um, I, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know the people personally. I have no idea. But some of this stuff that we see repetitively for the Grizzlies looks like preparation things. Um, this is what like the assistant's supposed to speak up when it gets down to that wire and say, look, look out for this, this, and this. They could be doing this. They like to do this a lot. They have trends. Um, and I just usually don't see that in huddles. Um, now, they may be just relaying that to Taylor and he's relaying it to the players, but there's too many times when we do get in those kind of tight situations where there's something missing there. So I'm not sure exactly what that is, 
Um, but with Taylor specifically, you said it. He's a good coach. I like Taylor a lot. I think he's fundamental into the Grizzlies players having this attitude of screw you, like let that mother effer fly. Like he is instrumental in that idea. Like you are got to stop us. Like we don't have to stop you. You have to stop right. us. Um, and he is very instrumental in that idea. The problem is like championship teams that can flip a switch. I don't know if he has that um, like a coaching switch. Like Steve Kerr, just right. to look at, like, I don't like Steve Kerr. Like, I think he's one of those guys who is very fortunate that he's with two of the best shooters in NBA history. Kind of like Phil Jackson, you know, not saying they're bad coaches, not saying that at all. But Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, Phil Jackson <laughs> is very fortunate to be with Jordan and Pippen and then follow it up with Kobe and Shaq, right? Like it made his career. Um, and Steve Kerr kind of has the same thing, but he's credited with at least trying different things, right? Like Jordan Poole is now right. inserted into the starting lineup. This team was a plodding, slow team at the beginning of the year. Now they are fastest in pace since, since putting Poole into the starting lineup and putting Looney on the bench. That takes balls to do. Like that is the equivalent of Taylor Jenkins going to Steven Adams and saying, you're now coming off the bench. You know, we're going with Zaire. Like that takes balls. Um, and I'm not sure if Taylor has that switch because I think he's too regimented, which is a very Mike Budenholzer type of thing. Um, and so I like to compare that, that situation a lot to Mike because great success Atlanta, right? 60 win plus team. I think they made the Eastern conference finals that one year, uh, but they got blown out and never really had a chance. So, but everything was neatly constructed. Everybody had their window of time. And if one of those windows of time went, didn't go as it normally does, there was nothing that could save them or that was an X factor. And that's right. what kind of, I feel the same happens with Taylor, right? Like tonight, I know we've given him credit for making adjustments for tonight, but I like truly, I think it was just Triple J and Job being like, screw you, dude, we're playing. <laughs> like you're not <laughs> going to take me out. Um, now I could be wrong about that, but um, I just think it's like, I'm dying to see Santee and Triple J together with Adams out. We all are. But, but Taylor has to start a prototypical five, right? He has to play the guy that's more physical and a rebounder instead of a more offensively gifted player who's actually better on defense um, than Xavier Tillman, which is Santee. Um, and I've seen this before. So not to go too long on this, before I was a Grizzlies fan, I was a huge Kevin Durant fan. And as soon as he left for the Warriors, I just, I stopped uh, because he pissed me off. But so by, you know, by connection with that, I was a Thunder fan. And I had to watch Scott Brooks for years. Mm. And Scott Brooks always played the prototypical players around Russell Westbrook, prime Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. And it was always a two guard who was defensive first and a prototypical center, which was Kendrick Perkins and ironically, Steven Adams. Um, and it killed them every year. That's he would point. not put, he would not put a more offensive minded player 
around Russ and KD after Harden left for sure. But he would never put an offensive-minded player around those two because he felt like he had to have the defense first. And it just wasn't true. Um, the best lineup that the Thunder ever had in the entire tenure was a lineup that featured KD, Russ, Cantor, um, oh crap, I can't remember the one. It was like Anthony Morrow or someone like that who was like mm-hmm. the league's three-point shooting leader and yeah. someone else. I can't remember who it was. Was he Ibaka? It was Ibaka, yeah. And they torched teams, but you never saw it in the playoffs because he didn't trust Cantor defensively. So he would always play a more defensive-minded player. And it hamstrung them. And they gave up a 3-1 series lead to the Warriors um, when they should have won a title that year. 100% they should have won the title. They they were the best team in the NBA that season. I see a lot of similarities between Scott Brooks and Taylor Jenkins in the vein of have to play a prototype. Um, And I think Dylan Brooks is like a prototype. He trusts Dylan. He knows he gets the defense. The offense is god-awful. The offense is like it's eighth-man level offense. Um, Like he should not be a starter if you're just looking at this guy numbers-wise. But he knows what he's going to get from him, and it's a prototypical defensive player that he quote-unquote needs because John Morant's not a great defender. Um, He's got to have someone who can cover for him. And to me, it just, I will never get it. I'll never understand it. Coaches have been doing it for their entire history. And so I'm waiting for the day when he changes from that and is willing to sacrifice a little defense to be like a truly unstoppable offense. Um, And so that's what I'm waiting on. But that also takes development of the offense itself, right? Because it's truly just jaw just holding the ball and there's four, like there's three people on one side, literally. And it's just jaw at the top of the key. Like he likes the floor to be balanced. If you watch their offense, there's always a two in the two corner. There's always a three in the three corner and there's some high, low action dribble handoff or something, but that's it. Like it's done. Like we're the most predictable team when it's just jaw and the two guys in the corners to even the floor out when it's Tyus jaw Bain. All of a sudden, the offense is moving. People are cutting through. Jaw's doing off-ball off stuff. Like, it's a lot less predictable. So it should not surprise anybody that when Jaw goes out and it's Tyus and Bain, the offense looks immediately better. Like, 100% immediately better. And yeah. I don't get why there's no carryover with that. Um, and I think Jaw is more than capable of handling something that's more creative. It's just Taylor's job to elevate that. And I just have not seen that in the couple of years that he's been here. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm worried about the most with Taylor, for sure. Yeah, sometimes, and I want to take this question another step, too, for you, Nate. Um, it kind of brought me back even tonight when I was sitting there watching. Like, it got to a point towards the end of the game, and I think – Right up until the four minute mark is when they would they went to jog get a bucket or jog go to a corner, try to get the switch, and then the same stuff we do tonight. But for the quarter, I'm like, bro, this is crazy how much this is working. And they kept going back to it when Beastie was coming up, flashing, uh, right there about the free throw line. He could either pop his floater or he 
could throw up a lob to Ja. I mean, to and I'm literally foaming at the mouth because Danny Green or Devin Bain is not out there. That's two other options you got if that gets cut off on top of you got Jerry that he can do whatever he can do. So I'm like, like they kept it because it was working and it rarely happens. Like I rarely see them exploit something. We'll just say that. Like they don't exploit matchups. They don't plays. They don't exploit defenses. They just kind of, they'll do some, you know, a couple plays if that, and they go right back to the same old thing. It made me think about when I was playing AAU, I had this coach. It was this team, like we weren't the most uh, funded team. Like the uniforms weren't the best. We didn't get into these top of the line facilities and stuff like this, but we had a coach, Coach Jimmy. Coach Jimmy. Uh, that grew up in the hood, but he just knew basketball. He wasn't gonna give you these crazy like double action, triple action play that, <laughs> but he knew basketball. And so, you know, it got to a point we'll get late in games. And I was a defensive assistant point guard. I wasn't the type that was to points. I probably averaged eight points a game, if that. Um, it's an assist is what I live to do, but. He was just – he was the dude when it came with the basketball. It wasn't his crazy plays. And so I, I think about – Nate, I want to kind of elevate the question even a little bit more before I come to you. Like, when we look at the staff as a whole right now, Daniel made the joke, like, as a Grizzly fan, we know these people. But if you ask somebody else on a different fan base, they probably wouldn't know the names of not one coach. But what do we need as far as, like – let me say it like this. I've been a person that says who's been coaching or who's been holding Dylan accountable for years, right? Who's been the player in the locker room to do that? And we can say it's been by committee, whatever. But take it a step further. Who's been that coach or who could be that coach to hold Taylor Jenkins accountable or be that person in his ear when it's, you know, games, when something's not working, you pull Taylor Jenkins to the side and say, hey, we need to scratch that. Not to say that it's a bunch of yes, man, but – I've been teams had season tickets for a season and a half. <laughs> oh, that COVID year short, but I have, and obviously we went in the last two years different now. But even watching on TV, like, how do we get better in that standpoint? Just kind of elevate the question a little bit more. Bring back Lionel Hollins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. It was there. Like, who's gonna yell at Dylan? I'm like, I know who will yell at Dylan. <laughs> you know what? You're right, though. <laughs> uh, man. Well, to get to, for the original question, just as like, before I go off talking about it, summarize. It's way too early to tell. You know, if they're if it's a championship staff or not. You know, because Budenholzer, you'd say he couldn't get the job done until he had a a Giannis in his arsenal, and then he did get it done, right? And you know, Ja is obviously not the player Giannis is, but he's he's a superstar in his own right, and he does things differently. I'm not saying he's he can't be as good as Giannis. He's just he's not going to be the drive to the paint, stop me because I'm so huge, right? He's driving to the paint, stop me because I'm a freaking wizard. It's wild watching <laughs> right. him do that stuff, dude. Um, but he he also has, I think, a few more pieces like Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, those are those are great pieces, but I would take Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson over those other pieces, right? I think the Grizzlies' problem, and this is comes to I, I agree with Ryan. The last thing Ryan was talking about was we need more actions, we need more creativity in the offense because 
Ja, here's the ball, go get a bucket, is something you can ask him to do. To ask him to do that over the course of a 48-minute game is a lot, and he's got to be really cooking for that to be a successful strategy for your team, right? It's just it's just not going to work. Um, but I also think they're a little hamstrung because, listen, Zaire Williams hit a couple of big shots tonight, huge energy shots for them in that third quarter. I don't trust Zaire to make a three when it gets kicked to him in the corner. I don't trust Dylan to make a three when it gets kicked to him in the corner. I mean, right now, David Roddy might be our most reliable three-point kick-to option outside of Tyus. Obviously, Bain, if he's back in the lineup, that's different. But they most teams aren't going to let Bain get a catch-and-shoot in the corner, right? It's not going to happen. You need guys who you can kick it to, and they catch-and-shoot because they're going to lock down Jaron, Dez, Ja. They're going to lock down all those options you want to go to. Who's the guy you don't want to go to but you can trust? And they're just not there right now. They just don't exist, right? I mean, that's why I'm excited for Danny Green to come back because I know Daniel's been saying Danny Green's not going to play for this team, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Danny Green has made a career out of sitting in the corner and knocking down catch-and-shoot threes. And if he can still do that, like, I don't need you to be a full 3 and D guy. I don't need you to go and lock up whoever the other team's guy is. I need you to sit in the corner, shoot threes, and then just not get blown by too fast, just like the rest of the team and the rest of the guards we have, right? I mean, that's all you need. I still, I mean, I it, when you try and put the actual pieces together, it's hard to make it happen. I'm still team trade. I'm still go find a way to get a three-team for Gary Trent. Go find a way to get Malik Beasley, even though Danny Ainge got to be feeling himself with all the with the Minnesota thing. I feel like he's – there's no way to make a trade with the Jazz without without being like, well, we, that was a mistake. Right? Yeah. There's just no way because he's just not going to do it <laughs> unless you're going to make a mistake. Um, Freaking Timberwolves. Screw you, Chris Conley. Can I ask but, a question? Yeah. I, I want to ask a question. Um, do you think that, like to kind of add on with the offense stuff where guys are just standing in the corner, and, you know, it looks bad when they just stand there in a the quarter and they just blow them, right? Like Zaire against the Warriors. Um, <laughs> do you think that is more detrimental when we get to playoff time that guys are not like we were trying to get Zaire to be a ball creator in summer league? Now we don't see that at all. Um, there is no pet action or anything where he can work on that in the flow of a regular season, right? Um, Dylan does not get those plays. Dylan has to go force those plays, um, which I understand why they wouldn't do it for Dylan. But anyways, um, (laughs) but like, does that kind of like, is that on Taylor for kind of hindering the growth of those players where we get that pop in the playoffs because it's something that they've worked on and practiced in the regular season? Like I, I'm so hesitant to put that kind of stuff on Taylor because it's so clearly one of the really good things about the team and the franchise is that there is organizational alignment top to bottom. They are on the same page. You know, I saw somebody tweeting earlier about we're going to get Josh some help in LA or Brooklyn and somebody else is like, Jaws. I think it was a Grizzly, probably <laughs> Daniel from the Grizzly account saying there, he is so in line with this. And that's a great thing to have, but also I can't say, okay, Taylor is the one putting Zaire in this spot. Right. You know, they're going to let Taylor coach. I'm not saying the front office or whoever's saying Taylor do this, but it's an organizational, we want this to happen. So I'm hesitate to put it on Taylor, but I mean, I've been on here a, 
few times saying, why is Zaire not in South Haven? Because it's such a confidence thing. We know he can make the shots. He made them tonight. He made them against Phoenix, right? But you need to consistently be doing this stuff to get your confidence and then be a guy we can go to in the playoffs. Be a guy the team can rely on in the playoffs. And that's just not going to happen in regular season, right? It's just, like you said, the the minutes aren't there. The opportunities aren't there. So, I mean, if if Zaire hits those shots and all of a sudden he's back to being confident and he can do all that, then this is a moot point. I think you sh- he still would benefit more from being in South Haven. You know, the only guy who I think shouldn't be in South Haven is Roddy. That's really the only one, which I never thought I would say a few games into the season. Not a chance, but he's the only one that I think is just he's completely even keel. He knows what his game is. He'll take guys off the dribble. He'll hit stuff in the corner. He just doesn't seem phased by the moment ever. And so outside of that, like Laravia obviously needs to get his confidence up in South Haven, even though I'm nah, not going to get into that tonight. Um, Zaire could definitely benefit. And then you've got a bunch of stuff like that. Candy Chandler, you saw what it did for him in just a few games right he's able to come in i trust him now as a backup point guard which (laughs) 15 games into the season i was like i'm not gonna watch while he's on the court right i'm just (laughs) this isn't gonna be a thing for me so um i guess i hesitate to put that on taylor do i think as an organization it's a mistake so far yeah i'd love for them to prove me wrong but yeah for sure Hmm. yeah i do like Taylor only doing what he what he he doing what he got to do with what he has in a sense. And at Trey, you know, unfortunately, we don't have Trey Murphy instead of Zaire. Nothing, nothing. I'm sorry, Zaire. <laughs> nothing to say negative, but we just know that's all I'm saying. He's a better uh, fit. Uh, let me also say uh, I do but, believe Zaire. I believe in the potential of Zaire. I said that on the last thing. I think Zaire can be awesome, but he's not right now. And unfortunately, like the Grizzlies have progressed so fast. It's like, we want to win right now. Right. Yep. So, um, and yeah, who else are you going to kick it to in the corner? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd make fun of Conchar, but he has a concussion. So he's <laughs> off limits right now. Like, I don't know if you want me to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going I'm to advance it real quick. That's the same thing we was talking about. And, and, and uh, Nate, I'm going to let you start off going on with these young players that we got Team is young like it's not just out here <laughs> we got 23 outside of danny green i believe <laughs> is it wrong to decide these young players because you get a lot of people like they only in their second year they only, they only 23 20. didn't even be competing right anything it's like bro but we winning like we've never <laughs> been if you've been a greasy fan like we have been like we've never been this close Saying how we feel. So is it wrong to criticize these young players? Not disrespect them, not talk bad. I say we want to beat them up and you know they're trash, but just like what we're talking about right now, okay. You could be better in this if we may, you know, if the right call is made to us, we may want what's your what's your thoughts on that, Nate? I'm gonna start with you first. Yeah, let me let me chill out for a second, because this is normally when I would tend to fly off the handle because <laughs> I don't understand the Twitterverse and the way people interact with each other now. It makes no sense to me. But if I'm being completely calm about this, the answer is no. It's not wrong to criticize young players. You do need to come with a sense of nuance. 
about criticizing young players, right? Like you can't just sit there and trash Zaire. It's the same thing. I always make sure I say I believe in the potential of Zaire. I was one of Zaire's hugest fans coming into this season, right? I thought he was going to make a massive leap. And then obviously the injury, I'm convinced the injury made is a big part of this regression for him. But all that to say, you need to be nuanced. Like LaRavia, I have very little belief in Jake LaRavia, if I'm being honest. I don't, I just, I don't see it. I think some of the stuff he's not good at, I don't see him becoming good at, if I'm being honest. I think he's too slow. I think he is trying to force shots now because he's been told to shoot more, but that's not really him. Anyways, all that to say, I don't have very much belief in Jake LaRavia. I also, I'm not going to sit there and say there's no chance because that's ridiculous. He's a rookie. He's played very little in the NBA, and there's always a shot he could improve and be awesome, right? So there's got to be nuance with it. I don't think you should just be trashing them, but I also don't think you should really trash players as a whole, right? I mean, we've got the fun stuff. we got the jokes about Clay Thompson, Pat Bev, Cat, all that stuff. But, I mean, when it gets personal like it does on some of these, some of these different places, there's just no – point for that regardless right i don't really care who it is i make fun of cat all the time i call him soft as a player yada 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 <laughs> as a person i don't know anything about carl anthony towns just like i don't know anything as a person about clay thompson I'm, it's purely on court stuff right and so if it's getting to that point you just need to kind of go find something else to do and talk about anyways right um but is it long to be frustrated irritated with a player to criticize a guy anything along those lines like no it's not wrong to criticize these young players they're out there it's the end of the day they're working a job you know it's a job just like i'm about to go to dallas in two days and be heavily scrutinized about my job like, that's gonna <laughs> happen right and you know they're getting paid money to do it and so like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're getting paid millions of dollars, so have no sympathy for them. But they're doing a job, and the ex expectation is to perform. If you're out there, the expectation is to perform. So critique, yeah. Have nuance, absolutely. Like, be smart about it. Don't be an idiot saying, Zaire sucks, trade him, like I've seen so many times this week. I'm like, bro. <laughs> like, maybe if you can go get something awesome, you can trade him. But don't just trade them because you're giving up on them, you idiots. Yeah. Now I'll get personal because I think you guys are being personal idiots talking about that kind of crap. But um, for all the people who are like, oh, he's a baby. I'm like, that's a grown man getting paid grown man money to do a grown man job. Yeah, he's allowed to be that. scrutinized, right? So <laughs> there, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line to walk in all seriousness, but I don't know where this is coming from. I, I, I don't know where this is coming from, but you can't criticize young players. I think it's crazy. I think it's Homer stuff. Like, you know, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up a lot where you'll go out, you'll get certain things, you start acting crazy, or you'll see somebody acting crazy, but doing, you know, doing wild stuff, and somebody tell them, hey, man, hey, you know, <laughs> I think Grizzly fans have been here before, so some of us just get outlandish and don't want to let go of the little bit of good that we got and it's like i it's it's old folk tale and i, I know i'm messing this if you hope you have your fist ball you can never receive better because it's up. And so you know my thing on that is and, and, and ron i'm gonna come to you here in a second i'm 100 with you like, like these are grown men getting paid me 
It's entertainment and it's sports, bro. Like we've been debating our whole life. Like it's not gonna change because it's NBA fans of the team. Like Cowboy fans, I know they probably be ready to do something crazy like single year, even though they come at the beginning <laughs> of the season talking about they're gonna win every year. Yeah. Uh would much rather would have saw them today play um <laughs> than the 49ers, but that's another story. Um mm. but yeah, man, like it's it's just so crazy, like I don't know, like Zaire with him, um, Jake, I hear all this stuff coming with them, like, you know, that they're young and we don't see the potential. I think Jake is more so a pride, to be honest. I think he can shoot his stuff for, you know, the other parts of his game. I've always said, like, I look at him as Bogdanovich most, like he can do a lot of different things, but I think it's going to be some time for him. But I think he'll be a great player for us down the line. You know, Josh don't need shooters um, his whole career here in Memphis. That's just the, the 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 fact of the matter. But um, with Zaire, I think it's up to him to basically beat out Roddy. And I heard Daniel say it a lot. Like, you got to consolidate these guys to develop and just go with them. Everything is out of the way. When you're trying to juggle all these different guys and stuff like that, to go back on your point, Ryan, like, how do you develop that? Like, how do you get them time and and insert? actions and stuff when you basically them and you like just go out there and whoever performs the best well your minutes per game maybe two three minutes per game when we see you do better like that just don't help nobody's confidence and i think this thing right now for all these guys is confidence like you said roddy he's playing with the showing so by all means he deserves every minute that he's getting so um same thing with you ryan just talk about just the whole critiquing thing is it thing with the coaches have like I heard that too. Like, coach, he's a four year coach. Why are we trying in year four? Mark Jackson wasn't there long in with, with Golden State. Like, it's a lot of <laughs> coaches that just don't get a lot of time with these players. Got in four years, great. But at what point can he? Does he have to be here 10 years before we can say play? Like, <laughs> just talk about that, Ryan. Let me hear your perspective on that. Yeah, so it's not wrong to criticize. The only thing I don't like is blame. Um, That's because fair. obviously it's it's not, I mean, typically it's not because of one player that you lose something. Uh, and of course, like the thing that everyone struggles with is patience, right? Everything is a reaction every game. And that is kind of the culture that, you know, we've created for ourselves, really. Um, because Jokic gets torched by Embiid a couple nights ago. It's like, oh, there's the real MVP. Jokic, Embiid is just that much better. It's like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, it's not a narrative every game, which is why Zaire had a terrible game against the Warriors, but it's just not a narrative on him and his game. Now, is he playing poorly right now? Yes, but you see the importance when he just makes one or two threes tonight with the Pacers. And that is something that is extremely valuable come playoff time. And so I'm not saying that he's not going to suck in playoff time. Like he's probably going to have moments where he's terrible and there's plenty more moments where he's going to be terrible, but all young players are. Um, The thing that you want to see is the consistency, right? And, I think consistency wise on defense, he's been better, 
there's still room to grow. Um, but I think that comes with minutes and his minutes have been weird, even with people going out, like he's still getting 15 to 20 minutes. And for, I think he's a rhythm player and to be chopped up like that, it's just hard to get in a rhythm. Um, so I'm totally fine criticizing players. I mean, that's kind of the reason why most people watch the NBA anyways, right? Is they like their guys. They want to criticize everyone else um, and why their guy is better. Um, and so I'm fine with criticizing as long as it's con- constructive and makes sense and you have a point. <laughs> um, I don't like just complaining about a player and blaming them and just assuming if we traded them for somebody, it would immediately be better. Because you Something just like don't I do know with Dylan. Like I do with Dylan. <laughs> like well, that one is for sure. Like, I'm going to give you that one. Uh, I will. I, st- <laughs> I stand with you on that hill. I stand with you on that hill. Uh, so it can devolve. This can devolve in that kind of conversation. But um, yeah, just you can criticize. I just don't blame people. And then you're immediately out because then you have nights like tonight against the Pacers where he sparks something. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Dylan, man. I, I'm hard <laughs> on because I want this team to win. I don't care. Like, yeah, that, that's all it is, honestly. And I even tweeted out the night, like, I mean, he, he outside of his shots all in the night, I think the shot selection was just terrible. As you know, it normally has been, it's just two of 11 is rough to see on the box score. Uh, and then one layup he smoked, I just didn't understand what happened. <laughs> I was like, wow, some, some ain't right at home or something. Cause that, even though he takes, he usually don't miss those, but, um, yeah, man, it is what it is. I ain't going to go down a rabbit hole because I, I told myself I wasn't going to do Dylan Thompson anymore. <laughs> I'm trying to lay out. But Nate is on here, so I had to throw one shot. So, you know. <laughs> There's no defense at this point. I mean, it's been a rough month. <laughs> it's been a rough go, for being honest. it's uh, At least you're yeah. taking less shots. <laughs> yeah. that. There we go. There's the one I defense you. I have, but it's pretty freaking brutal. I got you on here, so I <laughs> Gotta ask you this. If I don't trade him at the deadline, I actually got two questions. One question for you, question for both of y'all. I'm gonna start with you though, Nate. If they don't trade him in the deadline, do, do you think they bring him back? Do they do you think they resign him? Or do you think that either his ego is kind of shattered and he'd rather go somewhere else and with money or the same? What's your thoughts on that if they don't bring him? Um if they if they keep him at the deadline. I think they if they don't move him at the deadline I think they keep him I think they keep him because he either plays well enough that it's easy to justify giving him the money or he plays himself out of a really good contract <laughs> you know it's like one way or the other I think and if he plays himself out of a really good contract then you pay less money for the guy that you're paying less money for right but I talked about this on Grizz 901 uh, maybe the last podcast or two podcasts ago even though when Dylan is, I mean, brutal, and right now he is brutal, his skill set is one that is still really hard to acquire. 
and it's been my whole thing with the OG and Anobi trade. I'm like, yeah, if you can get OG and Anobi at a reasonable price, awesome. But he's not going to be cheaper than Dylan, and it's going to take a lot of assets to acquire him for, I'm not sure, enough more production, right? He's going to give you more than Dylan's going to give you. Is he going to give you that much more where you give up three first-round picks like he's been rumored to be going to fetch? For the Raptors, no, I don't think so. So guys who can guard anyone from Steph Curry to Zion Williamson to Carnes and E. Towns, they're, they're not easy to find in this league. So I think even if he does play remotely well enough to earn a big contract, it's probably worth overpaying him to an extent. Obviously, you don't want to get too crazy, but it's just hard to find that skill set. So I think they resign him one way or the other, unless they do move him for an OGN and OB or something like that. That's a deadline. So, Ron, I want to pose this to you. Same thing. You, I want to get your opinion on that, too, but I want to I just put a straight scenario out there a couple days ago, and it included three examples. It wasn't three first rounds, but it was like two first and a second. After that, if we were three round, um, three picks in a trade, Whoever, I ain't throwing no names out there. Um, obviously, I think all three of us on here are team trade at this point. But if it took three picks to get it, we still, over the next three drafts, we still have about five picks. So any event that it did cost three picks to bring in that play, I'm going to put quotes around it because I don't know we'll leave that for Zach Klein. Are you against that? So <laughs> would you bring Dylan back if he's still at the deadline? And then two, moving off of him or somebody? Else. Is it three picks too much? If it won a chip this year, we're so close. Um, I don't think that's too much. No. Um, I would like to keep this year's draft pick because I think this class is loaded. Um, but future stuff I'm okay with because to me, like the market's too saturated with them. Uh, I think people are going to have to start using them, like the Thunder. Like they're not going to draft 30 people. Like they're going to have to use them in something. And the Grizzlies are kind of at that scenario, right? Like this has been the front office's entire mission statement that they weren't going to sacrifice the future for short-term game, game. Um, and the OG and Anobi, I like OG as a player a lot, but this trade would go against everything they've said, which is sacrificing long-term for short, short-term. Because he's got two more years on his contract. He's signed up for next year and then the year after that's player option, but it's only 19 million. Like he's going to be looking for the Tyler Hero type contract, right? And there's just not going to be money for him. So you're talking about, I've got a two year window with OG. Um, if I re sign Dylan to similar, maybe a little more than what he has now, he's 25% cheaper. And he's here longer. I know the skill set I get with him. Um, I think that's probably what they'll do. I'm okay with trading the picks for a player. If you knew that it was something that was affordable that wouldn't hamstring you from signing Bain. I just don't think this is a front office that is willing to put draft capital up like that for another player that's going to cost them Desmond. And when you're giving up that kind of draft capital, it's for a player that's going to make a lot of money. 
um, you're just not going to make a swap with three picks, two or three picks for another rotational guy. Like it's going to be a set piece and they just have not, um, they've just not shown the appetite to do that kind of thing. They've done periphery stuff, but not a big blockbuster thing like that. So I would be okay with it personally. I don't think that they will do it just from their history. Yeah. I guess my thing on the, on my end, uh, what you responded to this, um, basically to all of it, honestly, my whole thing, is, and I hear what you're saying, Ryan. And it, 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 I mean, I get it. It makes sense. My only, I guess, blowback with them on it is if you've accumulated all these assets, you have these two expiring contracts in Dylan and Danny Green. Um, Tyus, he's only going to be here for a year, uh, for this year and next year, probably. He's probably going to dip after that. If if he's split, I'm not expecting him to. So I guess my point is if you do have to pay Bane next year, which he probably won't kick into the year after that, but Josh's contract is kicking in next year. JJ's just kicked in this year. Uh, Steve O's is going down a little bit. My personal opinion, I feel like this is the last chance that you have to really upgrade that top eight uh, before the months, you know, to the point that where our point is mid-level exception guys or minimum contract guys. Yes, you can bring in draft picks, so it's good to have that, but we got five already, so how many more of these guys do we really want to develop? Uh, so, Nate, I'll pose to you just to kind of end on this. With everything that we've gathered, we know what their mission is. We know what they've said. Zach Kleiman was clear uh, in every uh, postseason conference that, like Brian said, he's not sacrificing nothing, but he's open to hear. Do you think it would be a misstep if we didn't cash in, on, in those while we got them? It's such a big if, right? Because there, the concept of going for the big swing is a great concept. But the truth is, you've got stuff like the Clippers who went for their big swing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and look where they're at. I'm not sure the two dudes, I don't know if they're playing basketball or getting dialysis. I don't know. Are they going to be on a court tonight? I have no idea. And so you you run that risk, right? And so the, I understand the hesitancy of if you're going to take a big swing with those assets, it's got to be for a move that there's no sure thing, but you're like, it would be crazy for this not to help us, right? And so I think the only big swing you could possibly take right now is for like a Siakam. I think Siakam is one of the big swings that nobody talks about Siakam getting traded from Toronto. I would be, I mean, it would be surprising to me if they did trade him, but that's the kind of thing that you put together all those picks for and you send some players over, some promising players and do that right i don't think i don't think ananobi is one of those players that moves the needle enough to warrant one of these huge packages and i think you are better served making a few more smaller deals for awesome role players like the guys who are going to be awesome in their roles i talk about them already on this pod malik beasley gary trent jr those kinds of guys to come in and just fill in a role that you need. Because the truth is you've got three guys who are a core. I mean, a true core. Jaron, Ja, and Dez are formidable to say the least. And so once you get around that, you've got guys like Steven Adams, who Steven Adams is an awesome role player. 
that's what he is. He is fantastic at rebounding. He's fantastic at screens, and he's fantastic at anchoring a defense and providing you rim protection. It's not like he's some all-star, but you see how pivotal he is now that he's out and how much the Grizzlies are struggling in half court and how much harder it is for them to lock up on defense. You need that all around. You need guys who can knock down shots. You need true three and D guys, but guys that aren't going to break the bank, right? You don't need guys who are specialty defenders. You don't need guys. You probably do need guys who are specialty shooters. You don't need specialty defenders. You need guys who can defend and can knock down shots. You can toss it to them and you expect them to make those shots. So I don't think it's a misstep to not use all those assets. And when you look at the way contracts were, are set up right now with those specific guys, it's it's easier said than done to just go make that piece work with contract, salary matching, all that worked out. So I wouldn't say it's a misstep. I think it's a misstep to never take any kind of shots with it, right? I think it's a misstep to hold on to it and just trust you're going to continue to develop. Um, but I am more hesitant to think that the front office is going to actually do that. Like people forget they already took a swing. It was a really, really low risk, high reward swing with Justice Winslow, but they took it, right? It's not like they're completely against trying to make that happen. Um, so I think that they will do something with it. I just, if you're expecting them to come make some big splash for someone like OG and OB or something like that, that, that's even harder to do than making a salaries match for Gary Trent Jr. and Malik Beasley, right? So, um, I think it's a misstep to never do it. I don't necessarily think it's a misstep to not do it this year. Like I said, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Before we leave with predictions, I got to one more time because Ryan is a coach, so I'm going to mm. put this in the hot seat. <laughs> with, Nate, with, with Nate's trade, we do bring in C. Yeah. Who are you going to – who's your starting five and who are you demoting to the bench? I guess you probably would to include Dylan Dockerman. Yeah, I would assume so. So Just with salary, you... right? Right, right, right. So who? <laughs> I got a question when I think about it like that. Who would you put on the bench if you bring in Siakam? Um, I think Siakam has to play as like a. A, not a point forward, but he's like a wing forward. Um, if you send out Dylan in that trade, it's just a weird lineup. I just, the pieces, like just thinking about it right now, they just don't make sense <laughs> because I don't think you can have a lineup of Ja, Desmond, Siakam, Triple J, and Adams. I think it has to be a front court of Triple J and Siakam. Um, so I don't know who that other person would be. And so you're talking about Zaire territory if he's not in that trade. Um, yeah. You're talking about a rookie. I mean, are you starting Tyus? Like, Ooh. are you starting Santi? Like, that may be the most feasible starting five is Ja, Bain, Santi, Jaron, Siakam. Um, that's the only that's the only way I could see that really working that great because I don't think Siakam is just a like a three guy like he needs the space to go the basket and Steven will just be in his way (laughs) 
if they're starting together. There's just not enough space. And with Jaw out there, there's just not enough space for it. So it could probably work. I don't think it would be pretty. Um, it's definitely not the number one defense in the league. <laughs> but it's at least really interesting offensively. Yeah. I, I love it because, I mean, we do – the closer. I know it sounds crazy, John Morant and Desmond Bain saying that, but Siakam is definitely a closer. But I'm with you. I I wouldn't want to be in that coaching room trying to figure. But I would love to have him for sure. That's a good piece. I just don't know how you how you make it work. But I would love to figure it out. Uh, we're gonna end it on that, y'all. I appreciate. It. I tried to bounce it back and forth between y'all because um, again, they hear my. I want to hear y'all different perspective on these things. You know, we'll dig on soon. I want to end it with predictions. We got three games this week <laughs> and uh, in a new month. So let's put this up real quick because I had it right here and I lost it. Um, so on Wednesday, we have the Blazers coming in the FedEx form, and then we got the Cavs, Ed Cavs, and then Raptors after that. So three games coming up. Uh, what, what's your predictions as far as the record? Where do we go? And then what's the most intriguing matchup of those? I mean, the most intriguing matchup's got to be the Cavs, just because that's a fun matchup, right? I mean, they kind of they're, – they're the same but different in the way they, they have sort of the same type of personnel, but they use it a little bit differently, and they have awesome guards, but their guards are awesome at different things than what our guards are awesome at. So I think that's the most intriguing, probably the most fun. Um, I sort of see this as a two and one little three game stretch. I don't know what the two and one's going to be. You know, I, I I know we have this whole national TV they suck on type of thing, but that truth is, I I think they love playing in those national TV games, um, and it's just hit or miss. I think that they rediscovered who they are tonight. I still think it's going to be bumpy before they get back to clicking and get on another streak again. So I say two and one. Don't ask me which ones are the two and which one's the one. So I would be careful with my betting if I was back in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Nate. I'm I'm two and one as well. I think the one loss is the Cavaliers loss on primetime. Um, just because of the revenge factor, right? Like, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell's back for that game, but they lost at our place. Should they have won? Eh, uh, probably. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yep, but they didn't. Um, But yeah, no, I think they'll beat the Blazers. I think that'll be an interesting game. And I think they'll beat the Raptors, although I'm most intrigued to watch uh, future Grizzlies, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam uh, try out, essentially. That's basically what that is. It's basically whoever, I'll just say if, Whoever has the better game and the Raptors game is trying to show out to get traded for. <laughs> no. the, the real hope is that Gary Trent Jr. has a terrible game and tanks his <laughs> trade value, and we can go get that. That'd be awesome. OG goes for 30 or 35. He's going to probably look up at the executive offices and be like, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. You yep. see some of those after the game, though. Yep, yep. <laughs> I bought the mouth covering. Yep, yep. You he took it out. You took... He'll even do the jersey swap with Dylan, as not ironically. Oh wow! 
Wow. This one's made for you, bro. <laughs> he is wild. Welcome home. Wild. Uh, try it on, man. See if it fits. Wow. <laughs> How crazy uh, would it be coming here? So play. funny. They played, and one of them don't leave Memphis. <laughs> one of them don't leave Memphis. The other one, <laughs> the other people on our team get on the plane with Riding them. The flight. Go back yep. to Toronto. Yeah, bro, that's crazy. Y'all heard it here first. If it happened, that's gonna be some crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we was <laughs> he came from here first. <laughs> right. Appreciate y'all time. It was fun. Um, got to do this a little bit more. I can't wait to go on free basketball. Um, and talk some hoops with you on there. And then, Nate, I know we'll, we'll get it together on, on Grizz 901 probably this week. So uh, I appreciate y'all coming on, man. It's late. We're going to get this yeah, out to you guys on Monday. Uh, anything got coming up soon? Y'all want to let the, the people know about? Sleep. <laughs> Sleep. I heard that. No, it's 30 where we are. Chris. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's late. <laughs> well, I appreciate Nothing's y'all, man. prepare you, Chris. What's that? You're not going to you're not going to be prepared for Cody. So I'm just going ahead. So excited. Anything he says, you can't take personal. I can't wait. I'm excited. Let's go. (laughs) I can't wait. Same for last mascot standing on there. Yep. Last mascot standing. (laughs) We get a preview of what the mascots are. Is it just he hadn't told me? He never tells me. I expected. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Well, we appreciate y'all tuning in. We're going to make sure we link all the information, all the podcast links and everything like that in the description below. Click on that. Give them a follow. Give them a subscribe. And uh, as always, man, give us feedback. You know, how we doing? What some things y'all want to hear us talk about? Uh, what's y'all thoughts on what we talked about? All of that. And uh, um, as always, man, have a great Be safe. At- oh, and we can't get out of here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Without giving our love, condolences. Uh, uh, shout outs uh, um, to the Nichols. Uh, if you haven't, you know what it's And we definitely, uh, our thoughts, prayers, and just, you know, sending as much good and positive to that family um, and everyone connected within that family. So um, definitely can't leave without giving them a shout out. Uh, Memphis Strong. Shout out to Memphis. Man. Uh, giving it to the media. They thought we was going to ask showed up and showed out for give them nothing to talk about i know they hate it so keep doing what y'all doing uh we love to see it y'all have a great week be safe out there and we'll see you next time go grease